What is success as a developer? The perfect playtesters for any game dev out there, and why you should be excited about psychological horror first-person platformer, The Unknown. Let's talk about that. In 2023, right, I think there were so many games that got released. 12,000 plus alone got released on Steam. We're not even to the end of the year yet while we're filming this video. So there are so many games out there this year. When you look at indie development and you look at how many people are making games and the expectations lumped on top of those games, I think a lot of people, they struggle with what they think of as success for a title, right? They struggle with the financial decisions and all of these other expectations that come along with that. So for you, as somebody who's been making your game for about five years now, you know, you're looking towards your release here in the near future. What do you see as an important milestone for success or an important mindset for a successful release of a game? I think in the indie game world, there's this normalized definition of what success should look like. And I feel like a lot of new indies are really kind of hyper-focused on certain numbers. Like for example, um, if you Google it or you look up like certain YouTubers who talk about how to make a successful game, they're going to tell you that you need 10 to 20,000 wishlists by launch. Mm. You need to make six figures or else your game is not not successful right so for me i kind of got into a bad habit of being a bit obsessed with my daily wish list i would look at them and think you know if i don't get 20 a day then i really gotta rethink the way i'm doing marketing or i gotta try to figure out what i should do different in order to get 20 a day and that's kind of all I would focus on you know mm. and i got to a point where i lose focus and i wasn't productive with my project i wasn't getting anything done and so i'm trying to do my best and avoid these conversations and certain expectations so for me i'm really trying to focus on like what a personal success would look like so for me it would be you know just making back the money i put into the game so it's a hundred dollar steam fee and if i had like 10 20 people who really enjoy the game and got it they had a good time playing it it made me feel good and you know it make me feel more encouraged to continue making games and make games and the future. So when I look at games today, right, and I think about the players that play those games, I think a decade ago, 15, 20 years ago, there is a pretty set market that played video games, really. And then as we progressed outside of that, I think there's just, there's a plethora of different cultures and, and, and genders and ages that are all playing video games right now. And it's something that has really changed the dynamic of the industry because you have more stories that feel like they want to be included. And then developers have to kind of juggle how they go about doing that. So kind of as you make this game, or just looking at other games within the market, how do you think that audience type has changed? And then how do you think that influences the kind of games that are getting made? Yeah, I definitely know what you mean. Like if you think, I don't know, back in the day when you think of indie games, I feel like it was kind of only like the, the hipsters of games really playing indie games, right? Yeah. It wasn't this big audience where the average gamer would be playing AAA and indie games. So mm-hmm. yeah, there's definitely a quite a big um, audience now towards indies. And I, as, as a developer, it's, it's kind of, it's encouraging, but it's also a little bit intimidating you know because now I feel that the bigger the audience there is for indie games the more indie games are going to be released and therefore saturating the market it's already difficult you know to get your game noticed and seen by all people but now you have all these other games and titles that you could be competing with so yeah it's, mm. it's a little intimidating but it's also kind of nice because personally as a gamer I feel like there hasn't been a lot of really good titles that have come out in the past like I don't know five to ten years you know like I feel like back in the day when um, a new game came out it was like amazing it was awesome like great story but now they're all kind of just getting a bit dull and maybe people are just getting sick of that and they're realizing there's yeah all these indies out there creating these uh, amazing stories and uh yeah it's, it's really cool it's really 
encouraging. I really hope that, um, you know, more people play more indie games and I hope that audience comes a lot bigger, you know? Yeah. For indies too, like we have all this freedom creation, right? We don't have mm -hmm. all these publishers that we have to sort of satisfy, right? We can yeah. kind of create whatever we want. We can make these shorter story rich games and have a more of a quality um, experience than um, actual scale. From a technical standpoint, right? Did you have a background in coding? Were you an artist? What kind of led you into this specific aspect of development where you're making your own title now? Um, yeah, no. So I learned everything from YouTube. Mm. I have no previous schooling or mm. experience at all. I, um, yeah, I just looked up tutorials for years and years. I still watch mm. tutorials. Like, I feel like every dev, you know, watches tutorials doesn't yeah. matter how big or small they are. That's mm. pretty important. But um, yeah, I always kind of wanted to make games. Like I, when I was really young, I watched this um, this show in the early 2000s. It was called Art Attack. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you heard of it, but um, it was, yeah, it was a kid's show and it was like a British TV show. And this guy, he would show kids how to like draw and make crafts. And at the end of the episode, he'd make these sub elaborate, I don't even know what you would call them. They're just like these creations out of like like barrels, for example. He'd be in this big field and he'd line up all these barrels and rope and they'd zoom out and make this crazy canvas, right? It was, huh. it was, it was cool. I, I love that show. And one of the episodes, um, they took you into an animation studio and I had no idea that you could make animation. You know, I thought like you had to be a company. I don't know yeah. what that meant, but I thought that only a company can make animations and games, right? And so after um, he kind of showed you how um, you can make animations, I was like, man, I could do that. Like I could make games. And so I was, yeah, super little and I wanted to make games and I just kind of started watching tutorials and then 15 plus years later, making <laughs> my first, um, first release. It's interesting because to your point, like animations back in the day, right? I talked to a couple of different developers recently, or I guess not recently, but I've talked to developers in the past who they're probably double my age, right? They're like 40s, 50s, somewhere around there. They've been making games since like the OG era of gaming. And I remember asking one developer what engine he had used when he like started making games when he first started out, which I think was like the 90s or maybe a little bit before the 90s, but a, quite a while ago. And he kind of laughed. He was like, oh, we didn't have engines back then. He was just like, we coded that, you know, from the ground up. You know, we, did, we didn't have engines at that time. And it's interesting. It's interesting to think about that because like the industry has changed so much. I mean, you have so many tools nowadays. You have so many things you can lean into and assets and you have freelancers out there that you can just hit up on the internet and be like, hey, you want to you know, jump on my title with me? And back then you just did not have that. You know, you had like a couple people in a team that came together and then they just built it from the ground up with nothing. And it's like, I always ask them the question, do you think making games is easier now or do you think it was easier then? You know, they would say kind of the same thing. It was harder to get off the ground then because you needed that skill set of coding and all putting those things together and knowing how to do it. But there was really only one way to do it back then. There was only one way to get it from, you know, start to finish. Nowadays, there's a million ways to do it. And there's so many tools and there's so many options and there's so much more competition that it's just so much more difficult. And I never really thought about it from that perspective. But I mean, for you with this game, right? I mean, in terms of just your engine and other tools you're using, how do you approach that? What tools do you use and how do you kind of blend them together to get from beginning to end when you're building levels and, and you're, you know, creating out of the enemies and then and, and you're creating these puzzles? Kind of how does that workflow go for you? For me, like this is just a hobby, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I don't have a budget at all. Yeah. Um, so I, all the the software and programs I use, they're all completely free. I mm -hmm. had to do a lot of research to finding all these alternatives, right? Um, so for the game engine, I use Unreal Engine 4. I use an old version, actually, because um, when I first started out making games, um, you know, mm -hmm. the engine would receive updates. I noticed as these updates happen and certain things in the game would break mm -hmm. and it'd be really frustrating. So I have no idea. But um, yeah, certain like coding aspects, they would either modify or just completely remove. And I just screwed up the whole, yeah. the whole gaming um, development process. So I stuck 
up to this old version from uh, 2019. I haven't touched it since. And so that's what I use for <laughs> my game engine. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it, it works fine, right? But um, for the assets, I've made almost everything in the game. Everything in the demo I've made uh, all myself. And I use Blender, which is a free 3D animation program. It's pretty pretty standard, you know? I feel like a lot of people use Blender. That you can create your models and then you can directly import them into mm -hmm. Unreal Engine right away and use those. And then I also use GIMP, which is a free version of Photoshop. You and me both. Pretty, yeah, pretty expensive, right? So yeah. GIMP's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> For audio too, I use um, Audacity and um, FL Studio, but um, mm. FL Studio, you do have to pay for you can use it for free as long as you don't like close the program, you know? Mm. So you can you can work on your auto, you can edit it, you just mm. can't save it, right? So interesting. Um, when I'm using FLS Studio, I gotta make sure that I'm gonna finish within a few hours or else I lose that oh, that no. file forever. But yeah. yeah, it's been working for me. I think a lot of developers when they go into a game, like especially indie developers, they don't have playtesters, right? So they don't really have anybody test their game till they get to the very end of it. Have you like scaled your playtesting though yet? Have you done like a demo for this game? where you're trying to get a lot of people in there to like go in and just break it in certain places or, or how does how has that worked for you? I'm just kind of waiting a bit until I get to the finish line. I do have a mm. few friends that um have been playtesting for me, which mm. I've been really grateful for, but they're also my friends, right? So they're not really, I don't know how reliable they are. I don't know if they're just being nice and like, yeah. yeah, this is good, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, but yeah. um, yeah. So I mean, I don't really have a lot of playtesters other than my yeah. kids, and um, just kind of the the feedback I've gotten from the demo that I have on Steam. I let my kids play it. I my nine year old and my six year old because I, it's so funny. I've had a few people stream the game, and like, mm. it's just really interesting to see how people actually play your game that have never played it before. Yeah. And um, so I'll have people on these streams. They'll be walking around and they'll be looking at things that I've never even thought of. Right. Mm -hmm. They'll be looking at the ground and looking at cracks in the wall and oh i can see out of the wall and um i started letting my kids do that because they do the same thing you know kids that just kind of you know bob around and they just yeah kinda, and um so yeah they're my they're my best players <laughs> mm -hmm. and um I've gotten, I've gotten a lot of good feedback from steam just watching people play it is really helpful and i'm trying to use what i've learned from my demo and try to apply that to all my the rest of my levels right yeah and one thing that um i didn't realize is how much people really look around in games you know mm -hmm. so for example if i have a scene where you're walking down a hall and there's something that happens that i need you to look yeah, and in the demo, I found that people, when that's happening, they just kind of look away from it. And like, I don't understand why. So yeah. <laughs> I, from that, I had to go back through my whole game and like fix the camera right down the hallway. So you're forced to watch it, you know? Yeah. And um, yeah, it's, 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 it's crazy. So I just kind of take the feedback from the demo and I've been applying it. And then, yeah, letting my kids walk through it. And that's kind of what I'm basing it all off. Give me the elevator pitch for the game itself, right? What's it about? What makes it unique? What makes this game stand out? Um, how is the gameplay going to unfold? Is there going to be a story? How impactful is that story going to be? I mean, all these different factors coming together kind of walk me through that one. Yeah, so the game is um, very much story driven. I can't really get too much into the story because I don't want to ruin it, right? But um, so yeah, it's a psychological horror first person platformer. You're pretty much stuck inside the mind of the main character. And mm -hmm. um, there's a voice that's tormenting you throughout the entire game. Throughout the game, you have to like navigate deadly obstacles and get the um, overcome these puzzles and all these inner demons that the main character has kind of tucked away. And so, yeah, as you progress, this voice is constantly trying to like bring you down. And, mm -hmm. um, yeah, bringing up the past a lot and you really have to deal with all these
these things that you've gone through that maybe the main character didn't want to deal with at a, a certain time. And mm -hmm. It all kind of just unravels. I tried to design these levels so they didn't feel the same. You know, I didn't want it to be like a, a slow paced puzzle mm -hmm. um, solving experience the whole time, right? Yeah. So some levels you you will be able to take your time and kind of look around and mm -hmm. plan what you want to do. But then some other times you have to be quick. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a short game for sure. Like you definitely will get a couple hours worth of gameplay in there. And because um, by a guy named Jonas Pyrol, he's a, an indie developer on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And um, he was saying that he noticed in his games that only like 33% of players actually spoke English. And so by only making your game English, you're missing out on a huge amount of people, right? And so, yeah, my game, they're, like I said, you're, it's being driven by this voice, right? So you have this voice mm -hmm. that's leading through the game and kind of bringing the story together. And yeah, localization is something that I'm definitely, definitely thinking about. I'm in focus right now, obviously, is finishing the game. But um, if I can have it localized by launch and a few few languages, then, then I will do that. But um, it will definitely be something that mm -hmm. will happen um, relatively soon after launch. What about something like controller compatibility, right? Yeah, when I first was starting with the project, I thought, oh yeah, of course, you have mm -hmm. to make it controller compatible. But then I yeah. talked to a few friends who were really big gamers and they were pretty honest with me. And they said that honestly, like having a controller compatible game isn't as important to them. Yeah this having a playable game right yeah but um for my game um to make it controller compatible it's it would be fairly difficult but not going the way that you might think like um mm -hmm. i can make the whole like, gameplay um controller compatible within like an hour like it's that that part or it's the menus that is such a pain because mm -hmm. i don't know why but unreal engine not have a system for making ui and menus <laughs> controller compatible so you have to be interesting by scratch yeah it's really really frustrating so like for example if you had a menu that had um like four options on it you'd have to create some sort of math equation to have it like have the first one be selected by default and every time you press down it would increase a number therefore making the next button selected you know it's it, it's a huge pain and um so my plan release for the unknown is march 4th mm -hmm. and um so far everything is is doing good everything's on track yeah um and uh yeah post release i'm just gonna focus on bug fixing so i know there's gonna be tons of bug fixing like yeah. when i i posted up the demo i thought now oh, this is perfectly possible but man, I was I wrong. <laughs> so, you know, the next few weeks, I'm gonna really listen to feedback and watch mm -hmm. and see what people say. And I'm gonna be on top of that and trying to, to fix things and making the game even more perfect because I'm gonna miss things. Like, they're just it's inevitable, you know, everyone. Yeah. But yeah, March 4th, everything's on track for March 4th. And I'm really, really gonna try to hit that date.